Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, oh, come on, you know you're in the right place. We always say that, we mean it, and it's true. Why? Because this is where the best run. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have an interesting quote from a gentleman named Craig Bloom, or Bloom, B-L-O-E-M. He is the founder and CEO of Logomix, an online logo maker. I'll just leave it there. You can look him up, former co-founder and VP of Marketing and Business at Performable, and he helped lead the company's sales, too. You'll know this, sale to HubSpot. We'll leave that one on the table. You can look him up. Here's the quote. Listen up. Are there times when it makes sense to work with your competition instead of against them? Are there times when co-petition, not competition, is a smart move? Absolutely. That's from Craig Bloom. So that sets us up for our topic today. Let me tell you a little bit more, and then I'll introduce you to my panelists. Innovative organizations, and we certainly hope yours is among them, they're not only finding ways to leverage what we'll call disabling, I'm sorry, enabling or disruptive, I combined those two words very wrongly, enabling and disruptive technologies like Internet of Things, artificial intelligence, machine learning, blockchain, to support their product development and help them go to market. Many of these companies are doing something else. They're aligning with unlikely partners. They're competitors. Why? They're collaborating on non-traditional industry innovation. Talk about disruption. They're doing this because they need partners to assist in the design, the development, the implementation of solutions and products, and they want to find a way to really quickly introduce expertise, robust products and services that may already be there with immediate business impact. It's a big challenge, but competitors may be the answer. So, Welcome, welcome, welcome. Let's see who our panelists are today. We have Nicola Zingraf-Bolton, the founder of Bolton Consulting. We'll hear from her first. Then we'll hear from a returning guest, Matt Jennings, the Global VP for Intelligent Enterprise Solutions at SAP. And third up, we're welcoming another newcomer to the show. It's Mernalini. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Lakshmir Narayan Nanan. I think I have that right. And she is head of industrial IoT for Parker Hannafin. So welcome to my three panelists. And let's go around the table to... Nicola, and she has sent us a quote from Francis Picabia, a French-Cuban artist uh, who lived from 1879 to 1953. He was a French avant-garde painter, poet, and typographist, and he became associated with Cubism after experimenting with Impressionism and Pointillism. So there. And here's the quote. Our heads are round, so our thoughts can change direction. I got that last word in there. Nicola, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? Very good. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank, Thank you, you very for, much for giving me the opportunity to talk. Oh, to we're delighted to have you. You and I had such a great introductory call last week, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. So tell me something. We're talking about competition, competition. We're talking about innovative companies looking forward aggressively, assertively, wanting to interrupt their and disrupt their industries in a positive way. Nicola, how does this quote relate to our topic today, please? Well, I, I think this um, changing our um, our thoughts, our sorry, ch- 
changing the thoughts in our heads to change the direction of our thoughts is is just the quintessence of what we need to do to make um, to make IoT really work for everyday's process and operations. Um, thinking of um, combining the different uh, um, possibilities. I'm sorry. <laughs> you okay. Um, thinking of the different directions and the different uh, um, uh, unlikely partnerships that could be there. Um, it's just um, what Fikavi was thinking as a painter who has been involved in or has been uh, trying out many different painting styles. He's been trying um, expressionism. He's been trying Dadaism. He's been um, experimenting with technical paintings as actual paintings, which no one ever before has conceived. And so he's been trying out a lot of things, and he's been trying to make these, um, just to, to try out and see if there is another combination that could work better, if there is something where we mm-hmm. can actually question our, our um, traditional paths of thinking and can actually translate this into a new way of thinking. And I think this is where our theme relates very well to, is to combine the, um, the even competitors working with each other to achieve a new goal, because with IoT there is fields um, of applications that have not been there before. And now um, IoT enables to connect in new ways. Very interesting. Thank you. You know, I'm, I'm so glad that you quoted him, Nicola, the idea of bringing in an artist. We're talking technology here. We're talking business, interruption, enabling technologies, disruption, industries, big topics, big business topics on the plates of our listeners around the world. And you brought in an artist, and I love the way you related his experimenting with different styles and coming up with something new and better and very, very different. He was also, by the way, one of the early figures in the Dada movement in the U.S. and in France and also associated with surrealism. Very, very interesting. Nicola, thank you so much for joining me. We have a lot more to hear from you coming up during the show. And now I'm going to move slightly around the table to Mr. Matt Jennings. He, he formerly Matthew, but he told me I can call him Matt. And Matt has sent us a quote from Winston Churchill. This is a very interesting quote, Matt. I did my quote investigator search, and this is the version I found, so forgive me for it. The longer you can look back, the farther you can look forward. Matt Jennings, how have you been? I've been I've been well. It's good to hear your voice again, Bonnie. It's great to be here. Thank you. You're very kind to say that. I appreciate that. I, I hope everybody's happy to hear my voice again. Uh, Matt, talk to me about this quote, the idea of looking back. Is this a rearview window kind of an approach that Winston Churchill was taking? Well, I think a little bit. And I had the opportunity recently uh, to do some thought leadership over in the United Kingdom and, and did some research prior to arriving there. And part of that discussion was where have we been with IoT and where are we going? And as I started to do that research, um, I started to understand things in other industries that are highly parallel to where I, IoT is going, like the railroad industry, the electric industry, uh, with utilities, the distribution of, of power, like the distribution of data. And that starts to foreshadow a little bit about how much farther we think we need to go before things become commoditized and we start to focus on the outputs of things rather than the infrastructure that has to be in place to support things. And so as I was doing that research and then, of course, doing some historic research before my visit, I found that quote to be to be very well played and well versed into the topic that I was presenting on and uh, much more synergistic than I realized. Hmm, interesting. You know, sometimes, uh, I, you know, I love to open these shows with quotes 
first of all, my buzz quote, the business quote I pick to relate to the topic to get us started very quickly, and then have the panelists, you and, and Nicola and Mernalani, come up with quotes that you think will be able to be related to it. It, it just seems, it, in a way, Matt, that's exactly what this quote is saying. We're looking back at quotes that people said, and we're relating them to something current. I think there's some, some poetry in that, don't you? <laughs> Uh, I do indeed. I do indeed. <laughs> Thank you for agreeing with me. You don't have to, by the way. I, to my audience, I tell my panelists when we have our prep calls, you're not here to agree with everything each other say, but that also goes for me. They don't have to agree with me. And once in a while, I have a panelist sharply disagree with something I say, and I sit back and say, oh, I learned something from them. So th- thank you very much, Matt, and welcome back. We have a lot to hear from you. And now let's go to Mernalini Merlanini, and uh, she is from Parker Hannafin, and she has sent us a quote that was This was fascinating to look up this quote, Mernalini. It was so interesting to me because I didn't know any of this. Let me give background to our listeners. Albert Einstein and Charlie Chaplin were friends. In case you don't know who they are, Einstein, 1879 to 1955, a German-born theoretical physicist who developed the theory of relativity. Everybody knows his pictures with the crazy white hair, standing in front of the blackboard with the chalk, and his formulas, E equals equals MC squared, which has been called the world's most famous equation. Okay, he got the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1921. Charlie Chaplin, Sir Charles Spencer Chaplin, KBE, 1889 to 1977, was an English comic actor, a filmmaker, and a composer who became famous in the era of the silent film. His most famous screen persona was The Tramp, and he also had a famous movie that debuted called City Lights. He and Chaplin, he and Chaplin and, and I said were already friends, and they arrived together dressed in black tie for the premiere of Charlie Chaplin's movie City Lights. The audience outside the theater, as we know when we see this on a modern TV, the arrival on the red carpet, everybody was clapping. And Chaplin memorably, and according to my research, noted, he said, they cheer me because they all understand me. And they cheer you because no one understands you, meaning nobody knows what Einstein's talking about. Merlani, talk to me. How did you pick the quote? I love it. Go ahead and welcome. Thank you, Bonnie. Um, this has been my first time on the show, and thanks for inviting me. We're delighted to have See, you. I, uh, I love the quote because it's a scene. It's not just a quote. There was a background to it, and that gave me a chance to really do my homework and look it up. And, and I'm saying thank you to you for giving me that opportunity. So how does this relate to our topic today? So uh, one of the things that, uh, that my background actually comes into this um, I am a physicist myself. I, I used to read a lot about uh, Albert Einstein as I was growing up and uh, in India. And uh, a lot of times when you're actually preparing for exams, you're really tensed. Therefore, you like to watch comedy at that point of time so that you can laugh it off and become more relaxed for exams. So mm-hmm. I used to watch a lot of Charlie Chaplin um, uh, clips, and, uh, which used to come in the TV at the time. It was all black and white. And uh, uh, while reading Einstein. So it was more uh, associatable <laughs> for me when I picked this. Um, in, the, in, the, in the contrast to the topic that we have here, which is IoT, AI, uh, ML, and collaboration, uh, cooperation, is the fact that, uh, you know, when you look at uh, Einstein, the things that he has said are still being deciphered right now in, uh, in the science world. And... Uh, 
And Charlie Chaplin was easy to decipher. That's basically what he says in the quote, too. And Mm -hmm. as we moved through... uh, IoT, AI, ML, and uh, as, uh, as uh, you start seeing applications evolving, you would find that people will start understanding and deciphering more about how they could benefit from it. And, um, and the co- co- collaboration with uh, competition becomes very critical because um, it, right now the society is filled with uh, a lot of different uh, technologies, different solutions. And the customers are looking for solutions, and solutions are not uh, standalone. They're not looking for products. They're looking for solutions. Mm-hmm. So um, I believe that this court actually um, talks about the uh, journey that you have to take from being uh, uh, deciphered, uh, from uh, deciphering to dis- being deciphered. Very interesting. Thank you. Great approach. And again, I, I appreciated the quote because you, you put me into a scene where I could really dig into it. I love looking up the quotes in the background. So thank you. That was a gift from me, from you to me, and I appreciate it. Now let's go around the table and find out a little bit more about our guests. This is the up close and personal part. So first of all, Nicola, where are you calling from? And tell us what your favorite drink in the whole wide world is that makes you smart and motivated and focused, because I know those three words describe you as they describe Matt and Merlanini. I'm still going to have trouble with your name, Mernalini. You're going to help me with that, please, when we get around to you. And third question, Nicola, is tell us about what you do and what Bolton Consulting is. Go ahead. Yeah, Okay. So um, I am calling in today from the western suburbs of Chicago, Sunny Downers Grove. Um, I originally came from Germany, as you can pick from my accent, I'm not from America. Um, my accent is actually Australian, but that's a different story. Um, <laughs> but I've been living in the U.S. for for five years now, and um, I still found it fascinating. There's so much to learn, and so much to see, and to combining the world from good old Europe and and from North America together makes a very, very dynamic field for me. And tell me, what do you love to drink, and what so, are you doing these days? Yes, so I was like, with, with a drink, I, um, I'm very connected to the English world, so for me, the Earl Grey tea is just the first thing I really need to do to stay focused, and then there will be a second and a third cup. And um, I must admit, I actually still bring tea from Germany, even though it's not a tea country. But mm-hmm. I have very specific tea brand or a great type that um, we love. So I actually do bring this kilo bag-wise back to the U.S. whenever <laughs> I can. <laughs> so what I do is I work yes. with... Um, I. I have a background in transportation and logistics, so I've actually been working um, from my very early years in um, implementing the day-to-day operations challenges that you have in transportation into um, cost-efficient and just making it happen situations. So I have gotten in contact with telematics, how I still like to call it, uh, everyone calls it IoT today, but 20 years ago, IoT was not a word that anyone would would use. I've been... um, uh, I get, got a custom with telematics through a project where I basically wanted to start connecting all those new telematics data ends and um, making sure I get a better output, I get a better overview over my, my numbers. So I introduced telematics on, on the truck side 
um, back then we were even communicating through satellite communication because cellular mm-hmm. was expensive, too expensive if you think nowadays it's not even realistic. Um, I connected um, the transport management, I connected external customer systems like a TMS from uh, SAP. I've been connecting workshops, automated billings, and um, we uh, redefined really the communication path. Um, developed a lot of um, driver scoring systems and driver health when there was no such thing as just delivering data sets from engines in the core of telematics today. So this part, my interest so much, I actually jumped into the OEM telematics side of things. So um, having vehicles that can talk, that deliver data from my shipment, from the load that's on the back of the truck, delivering tire pressure information, delivering engine health, delivering driver coaching elements, driver behavior, driver hours, and um, helping companies to refine the transport and the logistics processes. Because at the end of the day, if we apply IoT solutions, the goal should be to ultimately improve our bottom line, reduce our costs, and make the processes more secure and more efficient throughout the different industry segments. So I Thank work you. today, I yep. work with... Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish what you're saying, please. Yeah, so today, today I'm really helping companies to monetize this, what we now call IoT, or I still prefer telematics from the term, at least in the transport logistics industry, to really monetize those investments. Everyone is now retrieving data from the mobile assets from the OEM products. Um, you have um, shippers who have a lot of data, but they need to be able to optimize the logistics processes. And so being able to connect those dots, being able to point out from the shipper's perspective which data is relevant and has a commercial value to my business. And from the other end of the scale, from the OEM side, helping OEM to say, okay, we'll make our machines talk will make our vehicle and mobile assets talk and provide a logistics uh, um, impact and a logistics advantage for our end customer, which is the fleet, and um, helping them really to monetize this product because there's a lot of data, but which ones of those data points are really going to make, um, make it for the customer and, of course, for the OEM in selling their talking centers. Thank you very much, Nicola. You and I had a wonderful prep call a few days ago. I got to know you, and I'm very much admiring uh, what you do, and you're savvy in this area. I think I asked you if there were many women in this part of of what you do, and you said, no, still not very many. So maybe we'll inspire them by having you on the show today. Thank you. Let's move around the table. Matt Jennings, where are you today? What do you love to drink? And catch us up on what you've been doing. Well, I am in calling in from Detroit, Michigan today, uh, following up on some customer opportunities. So I've got a few days in, in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, actually, nowadays, my most favorite drink is my cup of coffee in the morning. The first one is always the best one. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> that's where I like to spend my, my time in the morning and quiet time, 10 minutes with my first cup of coffee. <laughs> 10 minutes, that's interesting. Is that because it's so hot you sip it slowly or is that the amount of time are you reading a paper or doing something during it? I'm intrigued by the 10 minutes. Tell me more. I, I'm usually trying to just get caught up on, on the news of the day and beginning my day. So it's, it's a good way to get started. I like that a lot. And tell me, what have you been up to? 
Well, I run a global team uh, that focuses on what we've called intelligent enterprise, and that is effectively um, innovation for large enterprise customers. There's a lot of organizations that are focused on innovation, as we know the pace of change in technology is, is really accelerating. Mm-hmm. And so we work with organizations to define desired business outcomes, and it could be you know, connecting equipment uh, for customer service needs or something like that. But it usually focuses on machine learning, IoT, artificial intelligence, analytics, cloud, you know, some sort of technology uh, that they want to embrace for a particular business reason. And then we work with those organizations, you know, to re-engineer their business process, update their business models, uh, determine, you know, new and, uh, I suppose, different go-to-market strategies about how they can re-engage their customers, how they can defend some of their customers, maybe capture new market share uh, based on these technologies. So that's what my team does in a nutshell uh, with our customers globally. Thank you very much, and I have to thank you for inviting one of our guests to join us when we had an empty slot on the panel. So you're my hero, Matt Jennings. Pleasure to have you back. And now let's see if I can do this. My pleasure. Let's see if we can do this right. Murnalini Lakshmir Narayanan. I think I got it right at Parker Hannafin. Please pronounce your full name for me so we can get it right and tell me where you're calling from, what powers you as a very, very smart lady, and what do you do at Parker Hannafin? Sure. Um, my name is uh, Rinalini Lakshmi Narayanan. I know it's a mouthful uh, for even people who know the language. Um, uh, the, um, I, um, I am currently in Chicago, um, and sunny Chicago, the, the day that we have been waiting for for a very long time, that the temperature is in 70s today. Um, and this, uh, as I look out through the window and looking at the green trees here, I'm actually sipping on warm lemon water. Mm. I love warm and hot lemon water throughout the day. And it's supposed to be really good, de- detoxifying. It's also healthy. And uh, really? it mm. helps me to think very clearly. Interesting. Warm. And how do you, is there a per formula? Is there a recipe to just squeeze a fresh lemon into warm water? You start with cold water. Do you brew it in the fridge overnight? Do you leave it out in the sun? How do you make it? Uh, just take warm water and squeeze some lemon in it. That's it. That's it. Okay. I was trying to overcomplicate it. Thank you. And tell us, what, what does Parker Hannafin do? Where are they based and what do you do with them? Sure. Yeah, Parker Hannafin is an um, industrial uh, component company. We are based uh, from uh, Cleveland, um, and it is a 100-year-old company. And, uh, I, and I have been in the company for the last four months, and it has been amazing to see uh, the great um, products that they deliver to the customers in the industrial space. Um, I come from the IoT space. I've been spending uh, I've uh, been spending about uh, ten years in networking and communication technology first, and then another ten years in the IoT space uh, in public safety, Department of Homeland Security, um, uh, retail, um, logistics, as well as uh, just before Parker Hannafin, I spent a lot of time working on aviation. Um, Connecting connected aviation. So uh, I, I'm really excited to be in the space, uh, specifically in Parker now, because of the fact that industry Ford Auto is taking off, 
And industry 4.0 is a big revolution that's happening in the, um, in the factory automation space and in the industrial space where they are uh, transforming, where there are a lot of digital transformation and business transformation happening. Along with that, you see uh, a lot of transformations of business models happening. My role in Parker Hennison is to uh, define the strategy for our connected products as well as Industry 4.0. Um, I'm excited to work with a lot of um, uh, folks who have such deep knowledge uh, of these products. And, and basically converting these physical products and bringing them into the digital world. Um, and, um, and as we are trying to do that, we also see uh, that many of our customers are actually uh, having the same type of conversations about how do they do uh, digital transformation in their operations, specifically in the factories and in the uh, work, uh, work sites world. And... Um, uh, my my role is to ensure that I can connect what the need of the market, uh, the future of the market, with uh, what we are trying to deliver to the customers. Thank you very much. I appreciate all three of you. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'm based in Durham, North Carolina for the past year and a half, formerly from the New York area and lived all over the country. Beautiful sunny day here, and Matt may know this, but my two other guests do not. I am not allowed to go near caffeine on radio show days. And today, this is my second live show today. So I'm relegated to cool, clear water, but I switched off, Matt, from the cool, clear mug I've been using for years to a beautiful one that's painted. It's a black mug with wonderful white leaf patterns over it. I don't know, uh, Nicola, if Pacabia would approve of this artwork, but it cheers me up and makes me happy to be just drinking water. And I made a declaration on the radio yesterday that I have to give up plastic straws. I hear they are gunking up our oceans and rivers and causing serious congestion problems in everywhere. So I'm going to switch to paper straws very soon. I'm making that environmental declaration right now. We're going to take a quick break for 90 seconds. I'm speaking with three really smart people about a topic that sounds complicated, but it's not really. Digital transformation innovation. We talk about that all the time. We know what it is. We know where companies need to go. It's a digital world. It's moving fast. You need to be a disruptor, or at least on the leading edge. But what about the idea of turning to your competitors when you need a partner and turning your competitors into your co-competitors, your collaborators, your co-thinkers, your co-producers? That's what we're talking about, turning competitors into partners. It's a hot topic. It's something we all need to know more about. I'm speaking today with, let me get all the names right here. We have Nicola Zingraf-Bolton. We have Matt Jennings. That's an easy one. And we have Mirnalini Lakshmina Rayanand. I think I got it right. So we're going to take a quick break. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the deal. We'll be right back. Aaron out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Insights from totally new sources of data, sensors that capture and share what is happening in your business environment, and the tools to understand it and act on it. These are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Internet of Things with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Internet of Things with Game Changers. Exactly right. We're talking about something that may be evolutionary or revolutionary, turning your competitors into your partners. Speaking with three very smart people on the topic, Nicola Zingraf-Bolton of Bolton Consulting, Matt Jennings at SAP, and Merlanini, yes, Merlanini, Melanini, I think I have it right, Lakshmira Ryanon, and she's at Parker Hannafin. This is the first time we've had anybody from Parker Hannafin on the show. So we're going to look at roundtable notes now from Nicola, and here's something she told me, very interesting. She'll kick this off, and then we'll ask the other two panelists to chime in. So she says, competitors team up to collaborate in new innovation fields. For example, auto manufacturers BMW and Mercedes-Benz who formed a joint venture in March 2018 to pool their mobility services and create a common play to provide sustainable urban mobility for their customers. Here are two competitors even forming a joint venture. Nicola, please tell us more. Uh, yes. So um, this, I think this is a great example of where you have very classic um, companies who are um, competing in a very classic market with uh, cars where they don't really give each other leeway easily. But when it comes to this completely new territory of, of mobility services, where it's more about the smart concept than actually about the car with its design and with its technical features as such, there they realize that it really makes sense to combine their efforts, combine their strengths, and combine also their different perspectives, looking back at Picardia, um, <laughs> to really see, well, maybe we can bring in different thoughts from different directions and really make this a better thing. And what they actually um, have started to build now and is still in formation, still in moving, still getting further and further as they progress, is that they've even um, separated out into now five different ventures. They have like a multimodal service part uh, reach now. They have um, coming to e-vehicles and charging related um, challenges that they have. Um, they have this the charge now element. They have a free now for um, taxi rate ride hailing. So comparatively to the, to the um, Uber and, and Lyft type of services. Uh, parking, of course. So all of a sudden, we're talking about this whole ecosystem that's evolving around the use of a car. It's not just the car as such as a piece of hardware or a piece of manufactured um, 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 tin or wheels with a little bit of technology in it, but it's actually embedded in our everyday use, in the everyday process and um, from a natural point of view, operation to um, really now solve logistics problems, solve logistics and operational challenges. I have to park my car. I have to refuel or recharge mm-hmm. my car. Um, if I don't use it, can I share it? How would that look like? And this is what their mobility concept is for. And here, makes sense to join forces. 
Thank you very much. Matt Jennings, interesting concept here about some very, very visible competitors collaborating in a joint venture. What are your thoughts on the example that Nicola just shared? Yeah, I think it's a very relevant example um, for where we are today. I think we see this in a number of large, what I'll call industrial companies. You know, when you look at the automotive industry in particular, you know, traditionally it's been manufacturing and a, and a regimented process by which they manufacture and follow those guidelines. But as technology changes and has impacts on business, as society changes and starts to consume those technologies, and now there's a need for automobiles to become connected, automated, shared, electrified, those are things traditional automobile manufacturers just did not have any expertise in. And I think you see a lot of industrial companies recognizing that we may be really good at manufacturing, as an example, and promoting product. What we do not understand is how to apply this technology and the impact on society in really recognizing who they are and recognizing that maybe we can move faster together as as opposed to trying to innovate slowly on our own. So it's very consistent that we see that, and I suspect we'll probably see more of that as time goes on. Thank you very much. And now let's go to Merlanini. Talk to me. What do you think? Agree or disagree? And any other examples you'd like to share? I, I totally agree with this. I think um, in various different industries have actually tried to collaborate over a period of time to be able to uh, serve each other uh, and serve their market well. Um, an example, uh, I'd like to introduce another example on the aviation side. Um, if, um, you know, NASA had introduced a uh, an application called TASAR, which is basically an application uh, uh, for flight optimization, um, some information that can be provided to the pilots. And the, 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 that specific application required a lot of data because it was actually providing information to the pilots about uh, turbulence or avoiding a specific uh, recommended uh, options for um, the path of the flight. And uh, in order to be able to provide really good uh, information regarding that, uh, NASA requires a lot of data from um, even other flights that have flown the same path within the last few minutes. Um, so uh, the, you, you see there's a lot of opportunity where uh, there are collaborative uh, units which are actually collecting the data from various different uh, uh, competitors and also non-competitors, even government agencies or uh, Army and Navy agencies, and getting the data and providing that information back to um, even the industry, commercial industry, uh, commercial aviation industry, so that uh, they can make aviation more safer. Um, So uh, in terms of being able to deliver the right uh, solution, there is a need to ensure that uh, a lot of um, data is being collected and shared between the different entities in that ecosystem. Thank you very much. All good comments. Nicola, anything you want to say further on this topic? You want to give one more example, for example, uh, before we move on? Uh, yes, maybe. Um, I, I would like to pick up from uh, Moralini, um, the, the ecosystem that you just mentioned, because um, even though we're, we're crossing the, the line to different from a manufacturer to IT to other providers, but in itself because the use case is still more or less uh, in, in, a, in a specific uh, um, industry like with aviation or with transportation, um, um, these ecosystems become more and more relevant. 
Uh, I have another example maybe also um, where we have competitors where it goes beyond from the agricultural sector. For example, in Brazil, there is this Conectar Agro initiative where you actually have seven different partners that work together. Um, we have tractor manufacturers who are directly competing in the industry, Agco and, and Case New Holland. They work together with companies like Nokia where it comes to the wireless communication with the, with the local um, cellular provider, Tim, in Brazil, um, with Bayer as a crop specialist. It's something completely different. No hardware, no data, as you would think at first. It's plants, it's fertilizers, it's seeds. Um, with sprayer manufacturers, actually those who help the farming to get to um, this new level of what they call precision act and um, an automation technology coming in there as well with solid tech. So, um, again, an ecosystem of very, very different partners. And as, as Matt has, has pointed out, um, bringing these skills from those very different perspectives together to really create solutions for a certain industry and actually solve their operations problems, their day-to-day problems. I think that is really key of these competing partnerships. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Matt, I'm looking at your notes here, and uh, let's take a look at, you had mentioned infrastructure earlier. Let's take a look at something you told me that I think is very important to this conversation. You say, partnership models have evolved where one organization's expertise can be leveraged for another organization's overall success. And then you say, organizations now rethink their go-to-market strategies that include customers and partners. How have the tables turned? Is this common best practice now? Matt, tell us a little bit about your perspective on this, please. Well, I think it's starting to be a little bit of a best practice. I think if you take an example of cloud platforms as an example, there's some large, major players. And there's a lot of customers who have um, adapted those major players from a cloud platform perspective. As a vendor, for example, uh, you might have your own cloud platform that you want to take to a customer, but they may have already established a relationship with one. And so then you have to go build that relationship with who would have been a competitor with you to then go collaborate and maybe build out an application or a solution for that customer. So traditionally, I think where you took your own products and services to market, now you're looking at the market to say, you know, who do we need to work with to go build very unique products and services? Or who are the customers asking us to work with because they've already established those relationships? And so I think the days of kind of, you know, one vendor directly to a customer has drastically changed. And I think the customers are demanding some of that too so they can bring in best-of-breed products for that technology stack, whatever meets their requirements. Uh, So we're starting to see more of a radical change in that Mm -hmm. than we have in the past. Matt, are you, are you, you're observing that, I'm going to call it, I hope nobody is offended by this, the old guard. Let's say the people have been around for a while in companies saying, nah, we're in our corner, they're in our corner. How can we talk to them? Come on, they're going to steal our intellectual property. They're going to want to know what's happening on our, our product, our production floor. Uh, why would we want to get in bed with our competitors and, and pretend we like them and that we're partnerships? Is this, is this the mindset that you think is still lurking in the corners of many big established organizations? Or is this all a thing of the past? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of that. If I think, you know, 15, 20 years ago when I had my business, we built our own data center and had our own client server technology in place, Mm -hmm. you would never think about doing that today. Uh, Today's environment, you basically subscribe to that. Um, You bring your data in and you utilize what you need. And I think you can also look at that across services. 
and say we need this set of services today and we need this set of services, whether it be connectivity or hardware services or client server technology in the cloud, uh, some of those things. I think some of the you know, prior thinking from years ago was that we have to control it because we yes. want it to be secure, we want it to be robust. But I think technologies have caught up enough today that you can start to trust some of those things to be secure and robust. And we still hear some stories about how some things are not. Uh, but technology has is, is caught up today where we don't have to have, you know, all of the environment inside of our four, wall, four walls to be comfortable with it. Thank you very much, Mirnalini. Ready for you to comment on what Matt just shared with us. Agree or disagree? Um, we see this happening across multiple industries. Um, I think... Um, and there is there is something specifically in Europe. You start seeing a lot of standardization happening, where uh, multiple uh, competitors and uh, vendors are coming together to standardize on uh, standard uh, standards that can be adhered to. Because from a customer perspective, let's take a factory for example. A factory has a lot of equipment, and in the factory, you actually have equipment from all different vendors. Uh, there is software, there is hardware, there is fluids in the factory, um, there is air, pneumatics and air in the factory, uh, and then you have processes and then you have regulations and you have uh, data centers uh, and you have a lot of things that are associated with the factory and you can see the diversity of the um, uh, technology and the diversity of the uh, equipment uh, vendors that are there in the factory. Now, um, as time progresses and they start um, upgrading these factories or changing out certain aspects in the factory, again, new vendors get introduced, new technologies get introduced. So the, when you look at a factory from a, from a, a diversity perspective, there are diverse vendors. Uh, there are uh, technologies that have come in over a period of time, so the age of the technology is different, um, and um, and then and then you have the people in the factory, the people uh, who actually work in the factory, and their level of skill set is different. So when you combine all of this, the opportunity for a specific customer, like a customer who runs a factory, is uh, is how do I make all of this work so that I can be very productive. Uh, how can I make all of this work so that I can get what I want out of the factory and uh, deliver to my customers on time? Uh, so the, uh, with quality and adhere to the regulations and ensure my people are trained. So as time progresses, you're going to start seeing the need driven from the market. And the market is basically going to say, um, give me something that works together. You guys have to work together to give me solutions that I need that can solve my problems um, without making it complicated, right? So uh, I do see, um, as, as I start me. traversing through the different vertical markets, I do see an opportunity for collaboration among uh, a lot of these uh, competitors. Thank you very much. Nicola, join us. Uh, yes, so I, I certainly agree that we have to... Um, um, that the people need to get get trained from um, from the different backgrounds to really solve the customers' problems and go deeper into what um, what needs to be solved on customer. Take into consideration the customers' existing um, partnerships already, as as Matt has already lined out. And um, one aspect I think um, still comes in there too is like often. Um, or more and more often, I see that um, even partnerships form where um, 
we try to standardize to an extent that um, we don't eliminate the people that we need, but we standardize the education by using a virtual, like, trainers. For example, I have a... Um, um, I see a collaboration, for example, all these video camera systems that you use nowadays, whether it's rear-facing, whether it's front-facing, whether it's mm-hmm. exonerating drivers um, from any accidents, anything that happened where very often if you think in a, in a truck and um, um, transportation environment, very often it's the driver of the truck is at fault. Helping him to be exonerated, on the other hand, um, there are companies that are forming partnerships now with data and education systems to actually be able to provide a virtual driver coach. So what I've been working with many years ago was a classic driver coaching based on the technical information now gets, gets added to another level. I have not only the technical information from the engine, the driver's been doing some harsh breakings and has been doing some wild maneuvers, but also the camera can actually see and put this into relation. So camera systems work with truck manufacturers and provide like a virtual coach um, to um, help the driver in real time while he's doing his work to really um, improve his skills in a very standardized way because it's a computer giving that feedback. But at the same time, like pinpointing this the skill to what is required for this specific um, work that he's doing. Thank you very much. Matt, anything you want to add? This was a good discussion around your point. I have one more. Before. We're almost ready for our, our crystal ball, but I want to bring up something from Mernalini. So anything you want to add, Matt Jennings? Yeah, I'll just make one comment. You know, we've yeah. had a lot of these conversations with CIOs of large companies. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that was compelling that they said to me was that, you know, look, the, the enabling technologies and all that isn't going to change. In fact, it's going to become more and more available to us as the te- technologies mature. What is scarce to us are the skills to enable those technologies in our business to have an impact. And I think that's where they start to look at who are our partners, how do we change our recruiting strategies, and those types of things, which really drives a lot of this discussion. Thank you very much. Mirnalini, now that we're almost done with the show, I can say your name perfectly. Go figure. I have a comment here from you that I think bears repeating on the air. I think our listeners will appreciate it. You say, digital transformation should not be confused with digital technology, which are enablers. Can you tell us what the difference is, please? Sure. Yeah. So digital um, digital technology is actually uh, an enabler for digital transformation. Digital transformation is how you actually use the information from digital technology and and use that to provide value for what you're trying to do. And uh, so, therefore, digital transformation is going to drive, um, uh, you know, technology evolution. It's going to drive uh, business process changes. It's going to drive people to adopt and change their culture to be able to adopt some things. So, uh, therefore, I think um, sometimes uh, customers and other places, they focus more on technology than actually what value do they want to achieve from it. Um, So, therefore, um, one of the examples I want to give is from the public safety space. I spend a lot of time in the public safety space, more than 12 years. And, uh, and, And in our backyard, which is Chicago, um, where they have gone through uh, major changes, uh, specifically around the gunshot, you know, introducing a technology called gunshot detection, and uh, and how that has transformed 
um, and how does this transform the, how the police uh, respond to situations, uh, the number of um, uh, murders reduction, and apparently from last year to this year, the first quarter alone, there has been 13, 30% reduction in murders. And, um, and a lot of that has been attributed to the type of technology that they have supported, uh, that they have uh, uh, deployed. Additionally, they're also building out things like strategic decision support centers, which are actually going across um, multiple different agencies so that the different agencies can leverage the information that they are actually getting out of uh, these various technologies that they have deployed. Thank you very much. Great information. Let's go back around the table to Nicola Bolton. It's time for our crystal ball predictions round. I'm going to start out by giving you each 60 seconds. I know you'll probably talk a little longer than that. What do you see coming up the pike, down the road, however you want to look at it, in terms of turning competitors into partners as part of very smart digital transformation in the innovation approach to digital transformation. Nicola, 60 seconds. Any time between now and 2025, what do you predict, please? Um, I think that um, the um, digital transformation in this regard will be more accelerated. So we'll have an acceleration of um, this interconnectability. Standards and standardized formats will be more and more important um, to make it easier for competitors to work alongside each other on one common ground but still have their core products and their core functionalities be independent from each other and stay competitors um, and to contribute for the diversity and the market basically. Thank you very much. Matt Jennings, you're up. Uh, I'm going to give you 90 seconds because Nicola was so concise with her prediction. So go ahead, Matt, knock yourself out. <laughs> it's a gift. Appreciate it. <clears throat> well, Going back to my quote, I think if we look backwards to look forwards, I think we're going to start to see it's more of a commonplace to really partner with competitors to drive these unique type of connected and digital solutions. I think it'll be less about the technology and more about the consumption of data that customers and that want to protect when you're working with other vendors. It's more your your application into the business outcomes uh, that has the biggest impact. And I think, um, you know, those that know how to translate that uh, will be the most successful, and those that know how to pull in the right partners for each of their expertise, it'll be more and more consumption-based um, how we leverage and, and consume these products and services to go drive business outcome and digital transformation. Thank you very much. And quickly, Matt, do you think there would come a time in the next five years where new businesses, young businesses, will go to, let's say, networking meetings or incubator sessions at, you know, where they're starting out and say, hey, who's in something that's similar to what we're doing? Let's just become partners rather than competitors and see if we can grow that much faster. Do you think it'll start at the get-go of the business plan, or is it going to be something along the way? Yeah, I think absolutely. We already see that happening in some of the organizations that we work with in some of the startup environments that we're working with. So we, we see that happening today. Good. I had, a, I had a funny feeling that was already happening. And now we have, oh, another 90 seconds for Manalini Lakshmina Ryanon. Oh, I got it right. Go ahead, Parker Hannafin. Talk to me. What do you see coming in the next five years or in the next 10 minutes? What do you see? Um, I'd say that push and pull. You would see that as technology evolves, business processes are going to evolve. People are going to uh, learn a lot, and that is going to drive more evolution that happens. 
And I think this is also going to drive different type of business models, which is going to be more of collaborative business models between different companies. And, um, and uh, in the end, you always have to start from the customer and the need of the customer. Um, and therefore, I would say that uh, the, uh, this evolution is going to be a self-feeding evolution. And as, as it feeds itself, it is going to become more hungrier and it's going to continue to feed itself. So uh, I, I, think, uh, I think the next five years in the industry, um, specifically around the um, AI and the ML, is going to actually lead uh, how uh, we deliver a lot of these technologies and these solutions to market. And, uh, and I think the customers are going to demand more of that. Interesting. Very interesting. Thank you very much. I've, I've learned a great deal from all three of you. This is an interesting topic. And, you know, when people tune in, I'm sure, to this show, they're expecting us to talk about the, uh, if you will, the gory details of the guts of what Internet of Things is talking about sensors and the details of the technology and edge computing and the industries that are using sensors specifically. But we've es- escalated and elevated this show, this topic, to much bigger, broader terms. So uh, we certainly have covered a lot. But I want to thank our listeners around the world who, I, I hate the word supported, who have kept on listening to us, Internet of Things with Game Changers, for so many years. I think the show's been on the air for five years now. So I have to do a shout-out to Arsha Arvandi at SAP, who helped put together this wonderful panel. Matt Jennings, thank you for introducing us to Merlinini. I hope I have that right. And uh, thank you, Nicola, for taking your time to join us. And thank you also to Ira Burke, the sponsor of this series. We always enjoy working with Ira and his team. So on that note, it's time for me to call it a day. So let's see what my call to action is today. Oh, it's the same one I always have. What can I tell you? And thank you and shout out to Aaron Aaron Keller, engineer extraordinaire at the Business Channel at World Talk Radio, who gets us on the air and keeps us there. Here we go. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? It's time already. Go out and be a game changer today, right now, just like Nicholas Ingraf Bolton at Bolton Consulting, just like Matthew C. Jennings, we call him Matt at SAP, and just like Miralanini, Lakshmira Ryanon at Parker Hannafin. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have a great day. Have a great week. And we'll be back next week with a lot more live Game Changers Radio. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. 